Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. Yes, it is that time again where you may well be looking at a three-hour-long video. We don't know how long this is going to be, but it is certainly uh, caused some talking points that we need to go through. And uh, Tommy's already told me that he has some saucy takes uh, for this for this podcast. So I'm very excited. And of course, we're talking about the Formula One Pirelli Grand Premio del Made in Italy, dell'Emilia Romagna, and what a race, Grand Prix. Because uh, Tommy put, <laughs> and what a race at the end of the script. So, and I'm Ron Burgundy, so I just read it all. Uh, but of course, Imola, amazing. Uh, what an unbelievable Grand Prix we had. We had rain, which uh, was very exciting indeed. Let's kick things off with some three-word race reviews to uh, moisten the taste buds. That's not, that's not, you don't moisten taste buds, do you? Anyway, uh, wet the appetite. <laughs> At MJW77X, please keep Imola. At Burner underscore AKA underscore Brenner. Send it Lando. Goebble underscore Jacob. Hamilton got lucky. And Sean underscore Gregoire. Rain brings chaos. Well, please keep Imola. I don't know if you'd be saying that if it was just it was, if it was, if it was a dry race, but sure. Yeah, uh, quite a lot of a lot of that people saying. <laughs> One oh, rainy I love, race. I love I Imola love now. This place. And however much I'm, you know, a big fan of Imola, I was lauding it as one of my favourite tracks to drive the racing. Let's not pretend that that race wasn't because of weather. Because it was wasn't it? it Pretty really much, was. really. And yeah. I guess the, the fact that you can make mistakes and actually be punished for them big what? time. <laughs> punished for mistakes? Because there's walls and not just a million miles worth of runoff. Surely not. Uh, Katie, of course, the WTF1 editor, you are actually the uh, first three-word race review, which I think, because, uh, you know, because usually we do a couple of minutes of, oh, how are you? Yeah, you good? Well, you are. I feel like there's so much to talk about that we just go straight in. Uh, so let's it. get in with your three-word race review, Katie, and let's let's far away. So my three-word race review is what a mess, and that is referring to Valtteri Bottas and George Russell's collision around lap 31, 32. They came together in a big shunt, brought out the red flags, um, and then we saw probably a different side to George Russell that we've seen so far, getting out of his car and going over to confront Valtteri, um, and an exchange of... Uh, certain fingers being shown and, and hits to racing helmets, which was massively entertaining for us fans, but could have possibly been a slight overreaction from George, but I suppose they've got adrenaline running through their body, haven't they? And they want to, you know, show how angry they are that they've both been taken out the race. But yeah, Toto Wolf manages them both. So that was probably a very interesting discussion after the race. And um, of course, it's likely that these two are going to be fighting for that Mercedes seat in 2022 which makes the whole scenario extra spicy. Thought I'd get that in there nice and early. <laughs> oh, wow. Gosh, I thought we had Katie Fairman in the podcast, but we have Netflix here with us uh, with all that hype that you've just dropped, Katie. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, a lot of... The They're going to have a field day. They oh, really God. are. I mean, literally tweet of the week from IBR was about you know Netflix saying that it was jackpot. Uh, because of that crash because of course they will milk that they will milk the fingers being shown they love that sort of stuff which is fine you know we we know we, we know what to expect uh with drive to survive and uh we we accept it for what it is um but yes we're, we're not pulling any punches everybody watching and listening we're going straight in with the Bottas russell incident and let's just go in with a question megan kirby underscore one two one what's your opinion on the russell Bottas incident my opinion and uh well you know people love to hear my opinion um especially when people disagree with me um i thought it was more russell than bottas personally you know you, i've watched it quite a few times the replay 
And yes, there's a lot of overspeed and, you know, it's literal fractions of a second in terms of making decisions. But I felt like Bottas spooked Russell a little bit just by the fact that, look, it's not a dry track. Uh, Bottas is obviously trying to give space, but at the same time, doesn't want to go on to the wet parts of the track because look what happened. George Russell ended up on top of, of Bottas pretty much. So I feel like Russell was was quite eager in the sense of it's still a damp track. They're on dry tyres. There's going to be wet patches. I'm not saying it's completely Russell's fault because Bottas, you know, oh, I don't know. It's, it's difficult. I don't feel like Bottas did much wrong. I know he speaks about this little jerk, this little movement, but it's not particularly noticeable from our point of view anyway. I don't know if it is for, for anyone else. But he called I, him much I, I, worse than a little jerk. Sorry? He called him much worse than a little <laughs> jerk. It's just, oh, God, that sounds really, really bad. <laughs> Uh, but that's all it was really and you know you see these kind of defensive maneuvers and it was nowhere near as bad as some that we've seen over the over the years so I feel like Russell yeah he was a little bit eager to get past of course maybe had in the back of his head let me do another move round on Bottas you know I've already got the Bahrain highlights uh, saved to my computer of well not Bahrain but Sakir you know where he uh, got past Bottas and it was a, a massive power move I feel like George Russell was because he he said after the the race didn't he that Bottas would have defended differently if it had been any other drive or, or yeah he would mm. we would have defended differently basically I feel like George had more in his mind that there this was a big power move than Bottas in my opinion so yeah I feel like Russell probably 70-30 in favor of Russell being at fault uh, Bottas could have maybe done a bit more in terms of spacing wise but I don't think he could have done much more yeah I'd put more blame on Russell as well it's a it's a risky move. You need to make it stick, especially when you're racing. It's not even the fact that he's racing his rival. He's racing his boss's car. Do you know what I mean? Like Toto Wolf is not going to be happy with that. It's a risky move. The nature of the track is, of course, a factor. Um, not seen too many people mention, but the, the straight at Imola is actually kinked to the left a little bit before they go. So naturally, Bottas like the gap maybe looked like it was closing a little bit, but I don't, I personally will go into George's actions afterwards later, but I don't understand this move, this move that he's on about where, yeah, okay, maybe at high speed, you know, you, things are happening so quick and it's easy to watch a slow-mo replay and go, oh, look, there's a gap there. Um, and I think he did just get spooked and maybe needed more room than he believed. But I, I did personally didn't get his kind of calls that it was a Verstappen move. It wasn't, you know, he called it the Verstappen move from 2015 that they they stopped doing. I mean, that was nowhere near. And if anything, you actually see Bottas move to the left uh, just before the incident happens because he's kind of realizes that maybe he needs to give a little bit more room, even though he has given a car's width. But he, I feel like Bottas really doesn't want to have any contact. So the fact that George came out afterwards and said that Bottas has done it on purpose and stuff, or like raced him, they raced me so hard. Not not quite that, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Um yeah, I don't think I don't think any blame is on Bottas and but it is the nature of the track that it's a risky move and it's hard to overtake and it's just an unfortunate event where he dipped a, a wheel on the grass and cloud into the side of him so yeah more more Russell in my mind mm, well the important thing is that the FIA and the stewards deemed it a racing incident so neither Bottas or Russell have been you know given the sole blame but I'm in agreement with you guys I think it's more 
maybe 60-40, Russell's um, misjudgment there, but the track narrows and they're going so incredibly fast that any kind of little movement is probably going to cause some kind of issue when you're trying to overtake there. And like we said, Russell's tyre just got on the, the wet grass. I mean, if it was dry, then maybe things would have been slightly different. But as soon as he touched the wet, he just slid off and causes this huge accident. But um, yes, uh, interesting interesting scenario that happened uh, and I'm sure like you said Netflix are going to have a field day and it's going to be something that is brought up for the rest of the season yeah uh, and I think yeah, if it was dry you know we've seen many times drivers running onto the grass to make an amazing move like you know Monza for example um, where it was, was Alonso and Vettel, who, it, Vettel yeah it was those Vettel, two yeah. fighting um, where you know dip a wheel on the grass look awesome but you know you cannot dip a, any sort of wheel on wet grass because there is no grip there surprisingly um when i'm saying 7 70 30 i'm saying it out loud and i'm like do i blame bottas at all for that incident not really it's yeah, more just it's I'm more insane. the fact that it's it's a racing incident but russell is more to blame that's kind of where yeah, I'm you're saying, saying it. you're saying that it's 70 percent, but you're not saying 30 percent of it was bottas's fault mm. even though it's that a, kind it's of makes a very difficult sense. way it's hard, it really it's hard to explain what you mean because i don't feel like bottas is any any way at fault but it is like a little bit more than 50-50. Well, a bit more than 50-50 because yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, George had to make that move stick and he didn't. He did not. And to be fair, I would love to have seen how they would have got through turn one anyway because we saw how difficult it was uh, for cars to go side by side through there in the wet and also with the fact there's one line, one dry line. I think it was destined for for some sort of uh, impact anyway. So uh, very interesting. Anyway, that was a big crash. Glad they're both okay. Mm. Uh, Perez Gasly comes in with a question. That's not Perez and Gasly, that's at Perez Gasly. <laughs> but why do you think George was still angry in the post-race interviews when he'd crashed halfway through the race? Do you think there are some underlying issues behind the incident? Now, we we get on to George Russell, I suppose, and his um, yeah his reaction was anything but professional, in my opinion. You know, you, you look at, Secure the massive, you know, disappointment. Of course, it was a different kind of disappointment because it was coming through the field and then, you know, having a puncture and all that sort of stuff. This was obviously more of a high octane crash and someone's to blame. But the things he was coming out with, I felt were quite irrelevant in some ways. So, for example, saying that Bottas was in ninth and he should be fighting for wins and podiums in the Mercedes and nothing less. That was more of a dig at Bottas and his general performance in the Mercedes rather than the incident itself. So for me, it 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 kind of sp spills over this disappointment within him that he's not in that Mercedes seat already, because I feel like he yeah he he obviously rates himself higher than Bottas, and yeah it just you know he was kind of coming out with all sorts of things wasn't he about you know you know Bottas would have defended differently and Bottas just came out and said well you know where's his tinfoil hat and all that stuff so yeah there was a lot of emotion from George and usually he's a very articulate measured character and it's something that. You know, when he gets into these high octane, higher positions as well, maybe we start to see the immaturity that we see from other drivers as well. You know, we've seen it from Verstappen and Ocon when they, you know, they're pushing each other and crashing into each other and all that stuff. There, there is clearly that side to George Russell that we haven't seen before, mainly, in my opinion, because he's in a Williams and we don't see him in these positions too often. Yeah, have you been reading my notes again? Because that was my take that literally I was going to say that I don't think a lot of people be... Uh, well, especially a lot of George Russell fans, but I think 
yeah, the way he conducted himself was pretty embarrassing, to be honest. Um, think for a member of the GPDA uh, that he's just, you know, been made a director, for him to go to a big crash like that, and I get adrenaline's running high. Um, you know, there's been some awful things happen at Imola in the past, and it's a horrible crash. And for him to just, the first thing he thinks is to go slap Bottas on the helmet when Bottas looked like pretty winded as well and could have, you know, anything could have happened could have to him. Could have been hurt, could Yeah, yeah exactly. Because yeah, Bottas uh, was in there for <clears throat> ages. Yeah. Uh, that's why yeah. I thought he went over to check if he was okay. Yeah, but that wasn't the case. And then you think, okay, well, when he gets the interview pen, maybe he's like, oh, okay, adrenaline's calmed down a bit. But I, I totally agree. I, the, my, my thought was that he's embarrassed that he's made a mass, not a massive error, but he's gone for this move. He's in the points again. He's absolutely sick of watching Bottas every week, not, not be particularly great. And he feels like he's shown Mercedes I should be in that car. And while... I don't disagree with him. It doesn't need to be said. You know, the fa- the fans and even Toto himself. It's our job. Yeah, the fans <laughs> and even Toto himself can say, um, you know, can make the conclusion that why Bottas is racing a Williams in the first place. George doesn't need to say that. It, it was like he was using that as a defense mechanism to be like, oh, well, not, yeah, not mentioning the crash, he's like, oh, well, Bottas is rubbish anyway, so it uh, doesn't really matter. And and it was kind of a really weird take. And for him to publicly slate him like that, I mean, of all the drivers he could have crashed into, it's not a good look. And I'd go as far as saying that I know Toto Wolf made some jokes, whether you want to take it as serious. No, I mean, he's not going to the Renault Clio Cup if you saw that joke that he made where he said that, this week he was more of a Renault Clear Cup driver, or if you perform well, you'll get in a Mercedes. I I personally think that that not not just the incident, but the way he's managed himself, every good thing he's done in Sakia has been completely unravelled and done. And I I think that it really does make. I mean, if Hamilton retires tomorrow, are they really putting? George Russell and Bottas in the same team. Do you know what I mean? Like that's going to be now a thought in his head or even, even Russell and Hamilton where Russell was in the points. He could have waited for a better opportunity or thought, you know, I'm in the points here. Let's not be a hero and try and go around the outside of a Mercedes. I've not scored a point yet. And yeah, it's just, it, for me, I'm actually genuinely worried that, that Toto could really just, not not be impressed at all and this could really damage his chances and ultimately yeah, it was his it, fault yeah exactly like, yeah the fact that he was adamant that it was bottas mm. it, it, it made it worse for lack him. of reflection yeah, it right. made it it made it a lot worse for him i think it was incredibly disappointing because we sat here last november december whenever it was when george russell had that terrible weekend in secure and everything sort of fell away from you know the his grasp and we said what a mature and like level-headed young man he was and how that's the kind of attitude that he needs to have if he's going to be successful and you know get that Mercedes seat so for them him to like undo all of that hard work in those matter of seconds it was just 
really bizarre. And like, I hadn't even thought about the GDPA thing that you mentioned there, Tommy. You know, he's meant to be a role model and taking on this position of authority and, you know, a role model to all other drivers on the grid. And yet he's doing that. It's just, it is really disappointing. And I'm sure adrenaline plays a huge part in it. I mean, we've seen much worse, drivers do much worse after a crash, you know, hunting people down for a fist fight after the race or whatever, you know, a, a smack on top of somebody's racing helmet probably seems fairly, um, you know, tame compared to what we've seen in the past. But like you said, we didn't know Bottas's condition, how he was. And it just it just seems so not George Russell. We really haven't seen this side to him. And, and yes, that could be because he's been around in his Williams and he's not been getting these big chances to have overtakes on things like a Mercedes because loads of people were talking about the fact that Bottas shouldn't even be in a position where he's getting overtaken by Williams. Like it's that obviously is a part of it, but that's not a reason as to why this big accident happened but it's just strange I'm sure he's been taunted all weekend by the media reminding him of this crash behind the safety car here last year maybe he felt like he had something to prove but yeah I'm I'm a little interested to see this the side of George that we haven't seen and the psychology behind his decisions this weekend um whether he'll try and sweep it under the rug and be like, oh, you know, I was just really cross or whether that something's been lit inside of him and he's now really determined to like just carry on with this I don't care mentality and think maybe that's going to be the way that I prove to Toto and the guys at Mercedes that I'm actually, I've got that fire within me that you need for me to be driving that Mercedes. But it, it was really out of character for those of us that have seen George in his F1 career so far he seems like such a nice lad wouldn't hurt a fly all this kind of stuff and then it's like bam that's gone it did seem like an explosion didn't it of all the the annoyance of everything that he's He's just gone through being that Williams that is just he just got fed up of it and just literally just it all just got too much and he just completely Mm. lost the plot yeah, he's got a lot of pride uh, within him. It's clear to see that. And he doesn't want to be embarrassed in certain situations. And I think maybe it's also a case of obviously seeing his friends around him, Leclerc getting a Ferrari drive, Lando you know, getting a podium in the McLaren. It's going to be difficult for him to see that. Uh, but I mean, he's a can... GP2 champion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, everybody's journey is different. And what he... You know, he's clearly or was at least I'm sure he still can probably get back himself on the path of, you know, getting to a top team. But maybe in, you know, Formula One seats are there to be earned, especially the top seats. You know, just because Lando's in a certain seat and you know Alex Albon got a Red Bull seat, whatever, doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have to work any or less hard. You know what I mean? Like It almost feels as though these younger drivers may expect to get a top seat sooner than what we've seen over the years, you know. Drivers take many, many years. And, some, you know, Sergio Perez, for example, mm. has, has waited all this time, apart from obviously one year at McLaren where he balls it up. <laughs> but he's waited however many years in Formula One to get a top seat. They don't just come like that just because you have a good couple of seasons. And I feel like that's a, almost a little bit of a reality check uh, for, the, for George. And, and it's unfortunate for him, of course. He's in a Williams, but he's in Formula One. He's at the top flight. OK, it might take a couple more years of, of proving himself, but it's, it's incidents like that, in my opinion, that, that that kind of shape his, his path because Toto could easily go, well, you know what, mate, that's not what I want. Now, if you're going to continue like that, I'm sure he won't kick him off the, the program no. straight away. But if he continues to be like that, 
and doesn't show himself as a team player as the, you know as the wider mercedes family then you know he's not going to get to that 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 pot of gold that he's hoping to I know, yeah get i to. totally agree i know i know it shouldn't be a case of um he shouldn't be backing off racing a mercedes for the sake of it when mm. it's not in the team you know he's he's trying to score best he can for williams but at the same time yeah, it's not it's not great. You've got to think. I'm sure we've all said it. Um, don't know if you all agree, but in my head, there's absolutely, even though everyone on Twitter seems to think so, zero percent chance if Hamilton stays that George Russell is being his teammate. I cannot see it happening. And this, for me, maybe if there was a twenty percent chance in my mind, this has made it zero. And I'm sure Toto is probably thinking the same. Like. They've finally, while Bottas' performance hasn't hasn't been great, he he's been on a podcast recently and said, you know, I nearly banned Hamilton and Rosberg for a race because it was absolutely appalling. And you've got to think from a marketing side, and yeah, it's it's, it's couldn't have really gone any worse for him. Of all the people he could have crashed into, and and kind of yeah. lost a point again i do feel sorry for him the guy the guy can't catch a break uh, in some ways and i can understand the emotions spilling out and you know this is a an opportunity for him to learn and grow and i'm sure toto gave him an absolute destroying uh, behind the scenes uh, in my opinion mm. may not do you think he'll do you but... think he'll do an apology and not, not no. like a youtuber like <laughs> my, breaking uh... my silence <laughs> yeah uh, but... No, I don't think so because he came out on Twitter and said that he believes exactly what he said in the media as well. Like he's mm-hmm. he's firm and what he thinks. I th- I think he, I think he will. Do you reckon? Oh, yeah, right. well, I think does, be... I think it would it'd be better for him. Yeah, I think it shows he's learned. Toto forces him to yeah. they have like a, a an awkward handshaking photo. <laughs> him and Bottas having a cup of coffee together. Um, but yeah. It, it's not the end for George by no means. We're not going to, you know, completely hype this up as, oh, George has ruined his chances at a Mercedes seat. Yeah. But he needs to show that he learns and improves. But it's going to be the thumbnail. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think as well, you've got to think of it as if you were in a normal job. This is probably just like a verbal warning and the equivalent of it's not like a final, if you do one more thing, then you're out. I think it's just Toto will understand Like he's been a racer before that these things can happen as long as he learns from his mistakes and maybe keeps a bit more tight lip with the media afterwards and not cause such a headache for Toto and Mercedes and Williams, then um, there, like you said, there's no reason as to why he couldn't be in that Mercedes seat in a few years time. But I, I agree with your point, Matt. I think quite a lot of people have seen, you know, the, the guys that Russell was racing against like Lando, like Charles, um, like Albin straight away be elevated to these really good seats in F1 and, George is probably a little bit miffed about that because he was the one when they were doing, I can't remember if they were GP2 or F2 then, but that that level of championship and George won it. Lando came third, I think, that year. Second. Lando second, second album third, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then George has put in the slowest car of the three of them when they get to F1. So I'm sure there's probably a little bit of a grudge there, but um, hey, good things yeah. take time. So They do. They do indeed. And I think that's the, the key point from this is that you don't earn it, as I say, after a couple of good seasons, even if some of the young drivers have proved that theory wrong. Moving on, let's uh, let's let's finish the Russell bashing. Uh, well, hopefully it wasn't Russell bashing. It's Russell learnings uh, from the Emilia Romani Grand Prix. <laughs> uh, another question before we move on completely. Levicious X comes in with, regardless of your opinions on the crash, do you think Bottas being stuck in ninth will have worried Mercedes? He never seems to be able to overtake anyone as proven in Monza last year, but Lewis makes it look easy in the same car. 
Now, it's not particularly like for like, in my opinion, between Bottas and Hamilton and how they came through the field. We know that Mercedes is firstly on the back foot in general this year. It doesn't have the performance gap that it's had in previous years. And also Bottas was stuck there during the wet phase. And of course, when it was a bit drier, that's when the, the natural performance of the car is, you know, is even more, you know, and, and that's where you can uh, really, yeah, as the wet is called the great leveler or whatever. So of course they're not equal, but it's, they're a lot closer than, than during the, the, the dry sessions. So yeah, of course, Bottas not having DRS, for example, and it's Imola. It's a very difficult track to overtake. I'm not, actually, no, it's some excuses for Bottas, but at the same time, he shouldn't be stuck in ninth. So he should be making some progress rather than falling away from the likes of Lance Stroll and having George Russell over the back of him and overtaking him, obviously, when DRS was, was enabled. So it was a shocker from Bottas, to be honest. Of course, he had a shocking qualifying, didn't have the the, the confidence in the car, you know, losing four tenths in that first sector. Clearly, there was something in his head about that first sector that he just couldn't do in qualifying because he matched Hamilton for the rest of the rest of the lap. So, but of course, if you start eighth in, in the race and then fall back to tenth at the start, you're going to have a very difficult race ahead of you. And yeah, it was a shocker from Bottas. I, I'm not going to judge it too much on the overtaking side of things, but his pace was nowhere. Um, and Lewis, of course, did make it through the field eventually with with the use of DRS and and generally is a better overtaker than Bottas. It's it's a given. Yeah. I mean, Bottas's pace was not great, to say the least. But for me, his race was ruined in qualifying. Like you say, the, the track is really hard to overtake. The start, and you're totally right, it's not a fair compar- comparison. Yes, we've seen it in the past, and we know for a fact that Hamilton is a better driver, overtaker than Bottas. There's no denying that. But... It's an unfair comparison in that race to say, oh, well, Bottas can get through the field, but it was wet. They didn't have DRS. Um, you know, we saw what happened to Hamilton when he went off the, the dry line uh, trying to go past someone, and that was, a, a you know, lapping someone. Um, so you could argue that Bottas may be playing it safe and knows in those kind of races when everyone's spinning off that he can just tootle around and end up getting nine uh you know ninth eighth seventh whatever bag bag the points while maybe perez is spinning off or russell is crashing into him which again maybe <laughs> looks better on him but yeah while bottas had an awful weekend and was pretty dreadful it's not an entirely fair comparison but i don't i don't feel like they'd be worried any anyway he he you know despite all the the Bottas narrative of, oh, he's terrible. He had a decent race last time out in um, Bahrain. Obviously, he lost time through a pit stop um, and was solid. So in normal circumstances, if he's finishing third or fourth, it's fine. Something we mentioned on the quality watch along that's going to be really interesting this year is to see what happens with Bottas and whether it is an Albon situation that, four tenths this year in that Mercedes is first to eighth, not first to second. And that's really where Bottas is going to have to step up. That if he does have these races where he's two tenths, three tenths off Hamilton in qualifying, it's no longer, oh, don't worry, you're only behind Max Verstappen or you're only behind Hamilton. No, you're qualifying seventh or eighth. So I think that's really where it's going to come down to. Before I get into my... um 
Bottas' opinion. I will say that Bottas obviously has moments of brilliance, hence why he's in that Mercedes car. Last year uh, at Imola, you know, he got pole position and you could argue that he could have easily won this race had he not picked up the Ferrari debris. Um, and then Hamilton obviously got that very conveniently timed safety car, virtual safety car period or whenever it was, um, that helped him massively when he had to pit. However, this weekend, Bottas was just embarrassing. You know, he had moments, <laughs> I can see Matt's working, <laughs> He don't, had don't moments. hold don't hold back yeah don't hold back this is um he he had really good uh moments in practice one and two i think he topped both sessions and it looked like oh it's going to be another bottas walkthrough this year but then the qualifying was absolutely shocking and then when it comes to any sign of rain bottas just seems to choke like we saw exactly the same in turkey last year he had an abysmal race in turkey and the same sort of happened here in imola you know yes it's not fair to compare lewis's overtaking in the second half of the race to bottas's overtaking in the first half because the weather conditions were completely different but We've seen it in other races that Bottas says, oh, I can't overtake, I can't overtake, the car's not designed for it. And then as soon as Hamilton has a, a, a chance to or drop to the back and make his way through, he does it. So although Bottas, you know, is a great driver, there's a reason he's at that seat in Mercedes, but Hamilton just proves that he has has the minerals, as uh, Matt would say, to um, <laughs> just be an absolute legend when it comes to driving that Mercedes you know there were lots of things that went his way yesterday obviously him um having this issue where he went off the track you know as we said a very rare mistake from Hamilton and we'll talk about it later on the podcast there were several elements that sort of benefited him into being able to get back to that p2 position but yeah for Bottas this is just a really poor weekend and um I just hope that he doesn't get too uh, affected by it and he's able to, to come back stronger when we head to Portugal in a couple of weeks' time. But, yeah, not good from him at all. Not good. Right, moving on. Bottas and Russell done. And that's only Boom. three hours of the podcast that we've done. <laughs> right. My three-word race review now is uh, Lando still rises. Of course, you know, uh, Hamilton likes his still I rise thing, so I just decided to combine some stuff and make it sound cool uh, of course that's talking about Lando Norris and generally his performance this weekend of course a tiny error in qualifying stopped him from starting p3 where me and Tommy nearly fell off our chairs during our qualifying watch along <laughs> if you don't tune in for that please do uh, in the future when we do them because uh, they are brilliant and um, if I do say so myself and uh, but yeah it's it, it was a really good performance from Lando you know it's really tricky conditions you know he's still relatively new to Formula One but he not only had a great performance, but completely and utterly slapped Danny Rick silly over this weekend. Of course, qualifying, he did start behind him because of a small, tiny error. And fair enough, you know, you can mark that against Lando. But his race pace and his race craft was, was phenomenal. And it's, it's great to see this from Lando. You know, you compare that to Australia in his debut where he was scared to overtake Giovinazzi and you just could tell he was very nervous. But, you know, a couple of years later and he's completely and utterly confident in the car he's willing to go for moves like that move that he did down the straight where it was almost just over a car's width on the inside of three wide with Gasly and I think was it Leclerc at the time I can't remember but or maybe signs but either or it was, it was almost three abreast going down the, the straight and he was like no nah, I'm gonna go up up this very small uh part of the track where of course the wall kind of comes around anyway Lando's performance was 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 excellent in my opinion 
and he was, you know, it was so close to getting P2. You kind of thought maybe, just maybe he was going to hold on. But as soon as I saw seven tenths around that final corner, you just knew mm-hmm. uh, that Hamilton was going to go flying by. But he, he had a great defence uh, for most of it. And the interesting strategy with McLaren as well, going for the soft tyres at the restart. Everyone else was pretty much on the mediums, but they made it work. You know, he fired up the softs quickly. Charles Leclerc was sleeping at that restart. I was so excited to see Leclerc in P2 and Norris just goodbye going into turn one so yeah it was a very awesome performance from Lando in my opinion let's go into a question are done zero do you think McLaren are favoring Lando or is it just taking Daniel longer to get used to the car I don't think it's favoring as such they paid a lot of money I'm assuming to get Daniel Ricciardo on board in that McLaren and you know they want to go forward as a team and there's not going to be a case of favoring it's just more the fact that Lando is completely accustomed to the team Danny Rick's been dotting around different teams and it's you know you have to get used to the different you know power unit the different brakes and it's taking Danny Rick longer than I think a lot of people expected to get used to it I thought Danny Rick was going to come firing and beat Lando not comprehensively but decently across the season and it's not been the case yeah me too it, I mean at the end of the day it's ultimately the right decision and I'd, I'd go as saying that McLaren are one of those teams where they do uh, have seemed to this this could be famous last words when they crash into each other, but really good authority over their drivers, and I, I feel like that's partly why they they finished third in the constructors last year because they do maximise their moments. You know, you don't have these moments like I think it was Renault last year where Ocon was in Ricardo's way and they faffed about with it for about seven laps and then he lost a couple of places and it and it, they're, they're quite forceful with it that you know it'd be quite easy when they first did it I was like oh this is this is bold them telling Daniel Riccardi you know he's just joined the team and I'm sure Netflix will do an, an episode where it's like oh Daniel's joined the team and now he's making way for Lando Norris like he was blah, smiley blah. before he's yeah. smiling now yeah yeah <laughs> um but that is why McLaren maximized these results and it proved right because as soon as Lando got past, he was about, was it like nine or 10 seconds in a few laps? It was unbelievable how much quicker he was. Um, and ultimately, that's what allowed him to be in the position he was. And one thing that was actually interesting with Ricardo is he had an interview with Sky afterwards and they asked him that they said, uh, Carlos Sainz said moving teams was like driving in a different race series. And he, he agreed and said, I can't believe how different it is, even though it's the same rules and regulations going into a new car, like muscle memory and stuff. But that being said, I didn't expect Lando to quite, uh, you know, be so dominant, I guess, over, over Ricardo at the moment. Whether that lasts the whole season, we'll wait and see. But he's made an unbelievable start to the year again. I think quite a lot of us thought Ricardo was going to be absolutely on it this weekend. Obviously, he took the podium at Imola last year. Um, but no, Lando obviously just had the car set up beautifully. He was quicker all weekend. Um, I don't think drama needs to be caused this early on about, you know, McLaren favouring Lando. Like, we were only in our second race, and it was evident from the timing sheets that Lando was just quicker. And I'm sure Ricardo is not going to want to, you know, cause a, a big trouble at his brand new team by refusing team orders in his second race so he's probably happy just to 
understand Lando was quicker and let him through but I am so impressed with Lando this weekend I think this could possibly have been his strongest week race weekend I've seen from him in Formula One so far and I think that it's going to be a huge um you know vocal point when we look back at Lando's career in however many years time and we'll be able to pinpoint this race and say we saw a side to Lando that I don't think we've really seen before like he seemed to just tick every box he was super aggressive with his driving but also respectful and just so quick and I'm really thrilled that he was rewarded with that podium obviously we would have all loved it to be P2 but um, Hamilton just ain't for breakfast and put him into P3 but yeah really excellent job from Lando yesterday it was indeed. Aaron Talbot 4. I know it's early, but do you think Norris can fight for top three in the championship? He seems to be performing quite consistently and his pace on Saturday looks quick. And this is obviously helped by poor performances from Sergio and Valtteri. Will it balance out? I don't think he'll be top three. Uh, I think, you know, over the course of a season, Mercedes, especially Valtteri, he will perform. Uh, even if Bottas doesn't perform every single race weekend, he'll perform enough to have some race wins under his belt. And McLaren, you know, they do look strong. Uh, but I don't think they'll, again, you know, I don't think they'll be strong the entire season. They'll be peaks and troughs. So for me, I think he could easily challenge, or it depends if Sergio, because Sergio, again, showed some promise, especially in qualifying, even though Max did that, did make that mistake, which cost him about three tenths. But still, that's two, three tenths behind Max on pure pace, which is exactly what Red Bull will take. And if Red Bull are the quickest package over the course of the season, again, I think Sergio will probably outscore Lando. But Lando, going for fifth in the championship i think is very feasible we will have the likes of leclerc against him i think maybe carlos signs if he you know sorts his his little bit of uh, pace uh lacking compared to leclerc but you know it's it's to be expected at this early stage it's there's a, there's a lot of evolution that's going to happen over the course of this season i think and uh, it's one to watch but norris if he keeps driving like this and we have crazy races uh, there's every opportunity that he could be in with the fight for a victory if we have like what just happened lando could have easily been fighting for the victory if Max had just spun a bit more before the safety car restart, which was just, you know, that was another element of the race of the a hundred other elements that that happened. So, yeah, I think top three is a little bit out of stretch in my opinion if we're looking at it realistically. Yeah, didn't wasn't Lando P three at the start yeah. of the title last year after? So yeah. after race two in twenty twenty, he was also third in the yeah. driver standings. So. Yeah, it's one of those things where I'd be amazed, like you say, Bottas will, you know, he performed fine in, in Bahrain and Perez has shown already that he can not match Max. I mean, he had an absolutely shocking race, there's no denying it, but I mean, he, he out-qualified Max, which is something I think a lot of us are surprised about. I think I even said that I think it would happen twice all year and he's already done it once so i'm feeling a little nervous about that now but um yeah when the uh yeah when the when the track dries though lewis and max i'm sure their fastest laps were a second quicker than lando's maybe even more i know that i know he's on the softs but i don't feel like mclaren are quite there for him to be able to match mercedes and, and red bull but fifth would be yeah if he finished fifth in the title i think it would do him no harm at all. It would be an amazing performance. I'm going to sound like an echo here, but yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you. I think that P5 position on the driver standings is going to be really interesting because, I mean, 
Ricardo and Norris. I know we're only two races in, but I think that's going to be a really tasty battle between the two of them. And the Ferraris seem to just look really quick. I think we've kind of dismissed them a bit earlier on in the season, but from the first two races, they look like they're sort of making it, having a, a comeback, which is great for fans to see. So maybe there is going to be a bit more of a battle for that P5 spot than we we even realize but it depends like you say how how Bottas gets on and how Checo gets on but um I can't see P3 in the driver standings at the end of the year as lovely as it would be to dream about that but um, who knows <laughs> at Vettel Aport could Lando be lured into a Merc seat? He's so consistent, so much less error prone than the one other Wonder Kids, Charles George, for example. Seems a perfect fit for Merc. Now I'm going to just rein this Lando Norris hype train in just slightly. I feel like that is a Lando stan, even though that person has Vettel in their name. Um, I'm sure he, he would be lured into it. Absolutely, if, the, if it was on the table, Lando would go. You know, I don't think Merc would undercut George Russell at this point considering George is in the Merck Junior programme and Lando is not, he's with McLaren. Things would have to go wrong in terms of what Merck are planning. I I highly doubt they're planning with Lando. I think Lando has his future set with McLaren, uh, especially with the the current trend, positive trend that they've got going. You know, they're consistently improving season by season. And I think it's very harsh to say that he's much less error prone than Charles Leclerc and George Russell. Like George, George has had one crash with Bottas and apparently he's, I mean, I know he spun under the safety car last year and he does have these moments, but you know, that's to be expected. Max Verstappen crashed many, many times back in 20, was it 15 when he joined? 2015? Yeah. And the year in 2017 when he joined Red, uh, well, first full year at Red Bull, I think it was seven, seven out of seven crashes and seven races. Yeah, exactly. So it's to be expected that, Leclerc and you know and, and Russell will have mistakes and Norris will have mistakes too he made a mistake in qualifying didn't crash but he still made a mistake uh, so you know let's calm it down a little bit I think Lando George and Charles, uh, Charles have all got great potential and we're two races into the season let's not jump onto the Lando Norris hype train to Mercedes just yet yeah it sounds it sounds absolutely crazy but and I'm not jumping on the Lando Norris hype train to Mercedes however I don't think this is outrageous as maybe some people think and and it's it's difficult because it all depends there's at the end of the day it all depends like what what Hamilton's doing maybe because I think if Hamilton stays maybe Bottas stays or or it's a little bit different to wanting to put in someone really quick but Lando is managed by Mercedes I believe uh, his his career and stuff so I don't think it's absolutely zero percent chance um you never know and when i read this question i was like actually i could almost see that happening in a weird Mm -hmm. way it almost makes sense that he could go there um and i'm sure that um george russell and lando would not be as pally if uh, lando (laughs) takes this imagine imagine the yes the uh the twitch quartet would not be uh or pally and friendly then but um I, d- I don't think it's absolutely outrageous to think that i i would be amazed if lando didn't go to mercedes at one point in his career i can see it happening okay tommy Ooh. all right clip that up just in case <laughs> yeah. the thing is we don't even know if mercedes will be a you know a, a seat that people want come 2022 exactly and that's another thing that i was going to say you know if you look at 
the standings now and if Mercedes, like Hamilton retires tomorrow, who they're picking, you're probably going to look at Verstappen, Lando Norris, George, but there'll obviously be that little bit of doubt, as we mentioned, with, with George. And at the end of the day, like if you'd have said Verstappen gets offered the seat this year at the start of the season, you'd have said yes, but now you go, well, you know, the Red Bull's built around him and they've now got a really good car, so probably not. Um, and if anything, the George Russell uh, thing has just shown how much Formula One, unfortunately, and why it's so frustrating for George Russell, is it's all about timing. Red Bull is a perfect example. You've had De Costa, who was absolutely incredible and he couldn't even get in a Tarosso. Uh, and then three years later, they're scrambling just to find anyone to get in a, a Tarosso seat because they've run out of junior drivers. So it's all about timing. I'm so glad you put this question in actually, because for part of my job, like I spend so often thinking, where could this driver end up racing, you know, with driver changes and stuff like that. And I'll be honest, I've never considered Lando at Mercedes. It's never been a thought that has passed through my mind. However, during the race yesterday, I thought, I wonder if Lando would ever go to Mercedes and now it's in the podcast. So it's bizarre, but um, I mean, he's getting a ton of experience with that Mercedes power unit in the back of the McLaren and seems to be performing with it well. Um, so, I mean, I know we said about the Lando Norris hype train, it's still early days and there is a queue of drivers who would absolutely bite Lando's hand off to get that seat. But I mean, if he keeps putting in performances like this, then there's no reason why, you know, down the line, Mercedes won't consider him for that seat. But like you say, regulations could change next year and Mercedes could be the slowest on the grid. I think the chances of that happening are not point. You sound like Toto Wolff. <laughs> I know. Doesn't he say that every year? Like, yeah. oh, even Williams could win the world title this year and Mercedes could be the worst. Okay, Toto. Okay. okay. Yeah, you just sure. You keep Absolutely. saying that, babe. But yeah, it's... <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't know. Maybe Lando could go there, but we'll have to wait and see what the future holds. I love it. We're two races in and we're already talking about driver transfers, for God's sake. <laughs> love it. Let's leave it out. Right, leave Tommy, three-word race review. Mine is Hamilton scrutiny annoying. And this is... I'm, what could you possibly... Yeah, what could I possibly about, be on about? I am sick to death of... Oh, my God, you're such a fanboy. Yeah, I know. My, with all my Verstappen... Although I do have a Mercedes chair, I guess. But, um, <laughs> yeah, sick to death of these rules that have been around for years and years and years and then it only suddenly becomes a problem when it benefits Hamilton one time and people just seem to forget about all the times that Hamilton gets shafted by the red light or um does a practice start and gets a maybe quite over the top penalty for what what it actually is and these drivers uh, you know always come to mind like Leclerc driving without his seatbelts on that literally nothing ever happened about that mm. and and it just seems like everything now we we had it in the last race with um track limits and obviously we did a video on it hamilton abused the track limits because he was allowed to and then the reaction after the race was this video of hamilton going off and everyone said well no it needs to be in the white lines and if you go a millimeter off then your lap time should be deleted because hamilton did it and then it happens to Lando Norris in qualifying and the narrative is, oh, well, these track limits are absolutely ridiculous. Like, <laughs> it was three centimetres off and he would have been on pole. Like, do you know what I mean? And it just, and again, the the kind of 
uh, there, there are two incidents, weren't there? Him reversing on the track and this whole getting your lap back. And it just seems that these, they're just such non-issues until it benefits Hamilton. And then suddenly it's like, oh, do we need to look into this? Do the rules need changing? Oh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I, I don't know if it's a, you know an anti-Hamilton agenda, if it's just an anti-dominance agenda or you know whatever it is. I think uh, it's an anti-dominance agenda because the same did happen with Sebastian Vettel when mm. he was dominating. It, it did seem that he was lucky hate winning, every single race. Hate yeah. winning. Um, so, of course, yeah, you had the reversing on track debacle. Uh, at T. Hognestad. Why didn't race control look Lewis, I, I guess, look into Lewis when he rejoined the track in reverse? Did look kind of sketchy. Um, now, we're actually re- releasing a video, uh, which uh, you'll be able to check out tomorrow uh, about this and also the red flag as well. Uh, but basically, um, he did it as safely <laughs> as he possibly could. Uh, and, you know, he was there, obviously tried to find reverse, and then he did it so slowly and now, I said this to Tommy, I think, on an Instagram live we did yesterday, where 95%, if not more, of the drivers, I think, mm. get impatient in that situation, beach it in the gravel, take out the wheel and get out. Like They're, they're out of the race. But Hamilton obviously took ages. Of probably, you know, finding reverse in those cars is difficult anyway. But then the amount of time he took was obviously really, you know, he took a, a huge amount of time just to make sure he wasn't beached. And then he rolled the car out. Then he had the, the the backwards momentum of using that reverse. And then, you know, that was the way in which he got out of the, of the gravel. If he then engaged first gear, he's going to lose that momentum and get beached in the gravel. So he, he gets back onto the track on the edge of Tosa and then engages first gear and drives away. Like there's nothing else he could have possibly done in that situation. And there are, there are examples where people don't decide to bring up, such as Daniel Ricciardo, uh, Ricciardo Baku, 2019, apart from when he actually reversed into Kvyat, which was... Um, That's what his penalty was for, not yeah, reversing. Yeah, the penalty, not for actually reversing anyway, you know, because he had to reverse. He could have he could have probably engaged first gear, actually, and spun round, but he decided to reverse out. And, of course, Max Verstappen, 2018, FP1 Monaco. You can tell we've written a script about it, because <laughs> uh, I've got all these examples in my head. He reversed uh, because he went down the escape road. You had Mika Hakkinen in 1999 for the Monaco Grand Prix. Reversed because he went down on the escape road. This has happened before. And I, I doubt that the, the torches were lit uh, for these examples. I, I can guarantee the torches weren't lit for these examples. So yeah. for that side of things, yeah, okay, it was kind of sketchy, but that was the only way Hamilton was getting out of that situation. He didn't reverse into a car. No one had to slow down for him. There was an onboard of Vettel where he still went around the corner absolutely fine. So for me, the, it's a non-issue, but it's an issue because Hamilton did it. Yeah, you... <laughs> You hit the nail on the head with as well, and there's going to be people going, oh, you're so Hamilton fanboy that we're almost <laughs> lauding him about him going off, that we're saying like, oh, he's so clever, isn't he, that he's done this? But it's so true. Mm. He, he even he even like drove into the wall so his wheels were on the tarmac bit, so when he spun them, it wouldn't be in the gravel. And like you say, he's reversing out because he knows if he goes forward, he's spinning, digging it in the gravel, it's wet, and something... Obviously, he didn't do in 2007, but it shows now his experience and he's always thinking. And like you say, someone else is rushing because they're thinking, oh, my God, uh, uh, the championship's over. I need to get back on the track immediately and press the accelerator, spin the wheels and you're getting stuck. But with the reversing on track, what I will say is, um, and this just dismisses the point for me, if, if Hamilton does 
anything, if, if you weren't allowed to reverse, the second Hamilton engages reverse, Christian Horner is pressing a button, complaining about it and getting him a penalty. And if Red Bull aren't complaining when they're in a championship fight, it's fine. It shows that it's only fans. Like, do you not think Red Bull would have protested that immediately if it really was this issue that people seem to think it was? It's so true. I think I feel kind of sad for people who can't appreciate like the level headedness and the intelligence behind Hamilton's thinking and how he rectified his mistake. Because like, like we've all said, you know, we have seen drivers do the same and they get so impatient and so panicked thinking, oh, my goodness, I've made this mistake. I'm going to lose my track position. I could be out of the race. And they just end up beaching their cars. And we've seen it with Hamilton in the past where he's, you know, made a mistake and then beached in his McLaren or something like that. I mean, he beached it in the pit lane gravel in China 2007. Like we've we've seen it before. And Hamilton said, after, well, I think in the red flag period or maybe it was after the race, you know, how he was so shocked about making that mistake but it's you know you you have to appreciate the fact that he was able to rectify it and we can sit here and joke and say you know oh you guys are uh lewis hamilton fanboys and fangirls and stuff like that but we're just f1 fans that can appreciate like that the guy knows what he's doing he's sensible he thinks things through and that's what makes him a seven time world champion and the people that saying that the bottas was like a crush gate 2.0 I just, that's a whole nother subject that I could just rant about <laughs> for the rest of the podcast. I'm going to re- refrain it in, bring it in. But yeah, that's just absolutely re- ridiculous. Yeah, I'm sick and tired of seeing people saying, oh, you British yeah, fan girls and boys, you know, you're always, you know, talking about Lewis Hamilton. I just want Hamilton to have some respect on his name. He's a seven time world champion, potentially eight times by the end of this year. Who knows? It's going to be a close title fight. And we, you just have to appreciate greatness when you see it. Like, I'm a Leclerc fanboy. I want Leclerc to do well. We know this. I've, I've come out and said it. I'm not passionate. But, you know, it's it's literally that like, people take appreciating yeah. something that's good mm. as being biased. And that's a crazy thing. And not just this fandom, I'm sure, in all sporting fandom. you know, it's, I'd have loved Hamilton to beach in the gravel and Verstappen be leading the championship by 20 points. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. you would. But you're a Verstappen <laughs> You're a Verstappen fanboy. I'm a Leclerc passionate fanboy. And Katie, who who do you who are you a fan of? Um, half the grid. <laughs> okay, cool. So you're just a neutral. So that you I'm don't neutral, have any yeah. bias really. So it's just really I just love seeing those comments because they think that we're biased when it's not. We're actually just, you know, we just appreciate what we see and you know, we can see past the potential bias of you know, certain drivers that you like or don't like. You know, I used to be a Shumi fanboy where I'd turn off the race when I was a kid. And, and you know, if, if Shumi's out, I don't care anymore. But now, fortunately, it's, it's, it's so much more fun if you're a neutral. Anyway, uh, the red flag lap back thing. I don't know why there was such confusion, especially in the Sky commentary about red flagging and the lap backing stuff. You know, they were discussing it as if they didn't know the rule. I was like, pretty sure it's just a reset, isn't it? Isn't, isn't this just a normal... Yeah, like- and they do it behind the safety car anyway, because if you remember last year... They did it behind the safety car, and that's what caused the crazy thing where the marshals were on track and people were painting it around the circuit to to get back. So, yeah. Yes. Anyway, was that a red flag, was it? No, just safety car. It was a safety car. They couldn't lap themselves, can't they? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is obviously different because it was a red flag and people were questioning. Oh, actually, let's do the question. Ticey underscore 46. Do you think they need to look into red flags? Here we go. 
<laughs> a restart from a red flag is not a true representation of a restart and positions from when it came out. Lapped cars can unlap, etc. Should stop the race and restart in the exact same order as when the red flag started. No, no. Again, the only reason this has happened is because Hamilton was a lap down after his crash. And then they're like, wait, Hamilton just got a whole lap back and he's finished P2. Look, red flags are there because they stop the race, right? They, you know, it's to, because there's a, a big incident or weather's horrendous or whatever. And the fact is the red flags every single time will reset the race. That's it. Rather than having back markers on the grid, because usually when a red flag's out, they would have a standing start. But I, my understanding is the reason they didn't have a standing start is because one half of the grid was wet and one half of the grid was dry. So therefore it would just not have been really fair. Uh, okay. Not fair at all. That. that was my understanding. So obviously they do it behind the safety car and having back markers within the field is just not safe. It, mm. You know, that the fact that, you know, these drivers want to gain as many positions as they possibly can. If they've got blooming Mazepin and Schumacher as starting third and fourth on the grid, even though there are 15 laps down, it's just going to ask for, for collisions again. It's going to ask for, for problems. So there's a reason for that. And there's also for the racing spectacle. If you have those, those, uh, those back markers within the field, then it's going to ruin the fact that Verstappen's on pole, but then Leclerc's, you know, a few places back. So a, a full blank reset works, you know, and sometimes it will benefit Hamilton. Sometimes it won't. How about all the times where he's been leading races and it's been red flagged? No one talks about it then. Well, the ultimate, the ultimate irony of the whole thing is that Hamilton's probably lost out the most of that role of anyone because he's always leading, you know, he's led more laps than anyone else in the history of Formula One. What about, what was it? Um, allows the pack to bunch back up so if anything michello yeah michello yeah where he was leading and then oh yeah yeah exactly but i mean yeah he's he's going to be the one that is affected by this most the other way because he's the one leading all the time by especially last year you know 40 seconds in the lead and they allow everyone to bunch back up change tires whatever you know you know alex Albon was was on better tires than him what where, where do you draw the line with this? Do we say, oh, well, technically at Monza, it's not really fair that Gasly, ju- like, because that's not really fair, is it? Because he got lucky. So so do the, do the FIA stewards get on the phone and say, well, Pierre, you were, you were P10, really. <laughs> I know, I know, like, the red flags change things and the safety car and stuff, but can you just slot back into P10? Because that's where you were meant to be. Yeah, and everyone so, slow down as well, because Hamilton, you've got a penalty, but you were leading by quite some time. So yeah, if yeah. you just toodle down a little bit, there you go. Then you can take your... It's just, I'm sure I'm sure everyone would love the safety car to have a safety car restart where Hamilton keeps his 20-second lead at the start. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you imagine that? It's like uh, Gladiators at the end where the, the, the two participants this is showing my age now you know where they had like you yeah, the, yeah the challenges and then someone would have like a 12 second head start on the final challenge <laughs> it doesn't like it's just not the way to go yeah it's not a crossover i expected on this podcast gladiators and f1 but i'll bring in you have it's just it's so silly i can see why it seems unfair and confusing to new fans i can but like we've said there is a backlog of history as to where red flags have benefited or not benefited benefited certain drivers and unfortunately, that's just the way the rule book is. Like it's set in stone. And I'm sure that they've looked at the past at how they could implement something to make it more fair or whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, none of us want a red flag during a race because, like you said, it normally um, imp- like 
suggests that there's been a serious accident, serious crash, someone is hurt, or, you know, the weather has stopped a race from happening. Not only does it completely ruin the uh, the adrenaline and the excitement from a fan's perspective, because all of a sudden everything comes to a standstill, but also you've got to think of the drivers, you know, they spend ages getting themselves mentally ready for a race and then for it suddenly just to come to a stop and then they've got to, you know, spend 15, 20 minutes, however long it will take during that red flag period to then psych themselves back up again and get back into the flow of things. It's just, um, you know, an inconvenience, obviously, but making sure that the reason for the red flag is all settled and safe. And at the end of the day, like, like I said, if there's a red flag, if there's an incident or whatever, the most important thing is that the drivers or whatever are okay. And that's what takes priority. But you know, from a driver's perspective, like we saw with the Grosjean accident in Bahrain last year, you know, that was red flagged for a very good reason, but it took a lot out of the drivers mentally and was a huge challenge for them to get back into those cars and find the right mindset to go racing again. So it's a, a difficult one, but um, I can see why people have got criticisms of it, but I'm afraid it's not changing anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, there'd be far, far more criticisms, as Tommy says, if, you know, they all kept being a lap down or two laps down. Be like, oh, why don't you reset it? Because, you know, they don't fly a red flag lightly. They, they'll mm-hmm. always, you know, go to a safety car, a virtual safety car to try and sort the racing action. They don't want to stop the race. And can you imagine how confusing it is if all the, you know, a casual fan, which is what Formula One tries to appeal to, more than us hardcores here sitting about talking about Formula One, you know, if they go, oh, oh, it's a Mazepin's now in third. You know, oh, oh no, he looks he's, weird. He's two laps down. Yeah, exactly. So you just go, okay, red flag. It's a complete reset. Oh, that's yeah. a shame. And yeah, it's also, a bit unfair. But that's it, just the way it works. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, in in the early nineties, even before I started watching F one, they had aggregate time before um, the red flag. So it would oh, be, God, yeah. yeah. So it would be say Verstappen's a lap ahead, they would start, they'd have another race, and then they'd work it out. So if Hamilton wanted to beat Verstappen on track, he'd have to be a lap ahead, and then they work it out. So the, the famous example is 94 Japan, where they red flagged the race, Schumacher was five point, uh, like five seconds ahead of Damon Hill or something, for example, and then Damon Hill was leading the second half of the race because it's not a reset. He had to win by five seconds, to actually pass Schumacher, even though you're watching on track and he's miles ahead and he's going to win the race anyway. No one yeah. wants that. No, no. one. You want to confusing. see it, don't you? You want to see it you on track. You want to see them going wheel to wheel. You don't, it shouldn't be a time trial that just because it's fair. Like if, if you want it fair, then let's just do qualifying and just. Spec cars for everyone. Yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, there you go. That's uh, reversing and red flags done. Uh, let's move on to another one. Safety car rules. <laughs> How exciting. This one doesn't involve Hamilton, actually. At Julian31798207, I didn't know that when you go off track under safety car that you can't retake your position. But with this rule, why didn't Leclerc overtake Verstappen when he got off track under safety car? Well, you clearly don't play the F1 game, Julian, because that's what happens if you if you run off uh, you know, under a safety car and you can take overtake that person. Well, it's quite, it's quite obvious, really, if you look at it from a, you know, what a safety car is and what they're allowed to do is not overtake but if a car goes off the whole grid can't just stop and just you good Perez you coming on anytime you know they have they have to go carry on so that's the only form of overtaking you're allowed is if a car bins it or stops but if Perez bins it that's his fault it's not like it's everybody else's fault 
for overtaking him because he's gone off to Narnia. So now the fact he's rejoined, he can't then go, you know what? Safety car or not, I'm having it's, that fourth place back. Yeah. It's not retake this position within 15 seconds. But they can do that on the formation lap, which I guess is where it was confusing mm-hmm. when Charles... But the, yeah, but the formation lap is obviously there not for safety reasons. It's there for formation, right? So it's yeah. a, you know, a warming up the tyres lap. It's not there because there's been an incident and marshals could be on track and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. So there's the difference there. It's, un- it's it's safety. So the fact that Perez just went, you know what, now nah, I'm nah, I'm taking that back. Nah, fam. No, it's just, it's just so, not it's not right. I'm sure that's yeah, exactly what it's yeah. yeah. Uh, Classic so, so, Perez. So then the question about Leclerc overtaking Verstappen, it's you know that could have been an opportunity opportunity for Charles there to be honest because Verstappen was off the track for a very brief second, but maybe there was just that kind of almost gentleman's agreement type like respect sort of thing from Leclerc. He's gone. Verstappen's lost it a little bit. But then you're also getting into that grey area of how, how much, much has lost it? Verstappen yeah. lost it. Does Leclerc has Leclerc just overtaken under the safety car and he's going to get a 10 second uh, penalty? Mm-hmm. So I can understand why Leclerc didn't because it was a very split second thing. I'm sure Charles is not sitting there in his cockpit going, Max could lose it at any point. <laughs> uh, and especially when it was literally like the penultimate corner, wasn't it pretty much? Or the last corner where he lost it. So no, it's penultimate corner, I think. But yeah, either or. Uh, I can understand why Leclerc didn't do it, uh, but maybe it was an opportunistic Schumacher on Alonso. Uh, that's that's throwing back, isn't it? And then that, get 20, disqualified. 2010 20, Monaco. 10, what, yeah, where uh, final lap of the race, Schumacher overtakes Alonso because of the safety car line, but he's not allowed to because it was the final lap. Anyway. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was quite an interesting question because I noticed that Lando, I, I didn't see this picked up much, but Lando in his interview afterwards said, I really wanted Leclerc should have gone for it. Where as soon as this happened, spun Leclerc, I, I was behind him going, go on, he's off. Like, <laughs> go for it. And of course he would have been. But like you say, I watched the incident back and it is a very close one. Like you say, it's not Perez where he mm. goes, you know, ends up at Monza and comes back on track. <laughs> it's the the other one. Verstappen's almost still on the track almost. Mm. And then, he, yeah, he dips a wheel on the grass to come back on. That would have been really, really interesting to see what they'd have done if Leclerc had just bolted and gone, screw this, like, I'm off. Well, Horner I definitely would have been it. on radio. Uh, he might have got away with it. Yeah. yeah, Horner would have, Karen would have been, sorry, Horner would have been, <laughs> would have been uh, straight on the stewards. I think, they, I think Leclerc, if he'd, if he'd reacted quick enough, would have got away with that, but it would have been tight. Yeah. There is actually a reason Leclerc said as to why he didn't do it. And that is because he didn't have any team radio. And apparently Leclerc didn't even realize that it was a rolling restart, which is why he Oh, that's why he was overtake. slow, was it? Oh, apparently. Oh, wow, that really screwed him then. Yes. So um, they were for, after the red flag, um, I think he was able to, communicate with the team but they couldn't communicate back there's a, a piece imagine of imagine if he'd stopped in p2 and stuff and just stopped. <laughs> What's oh happening? My God. um but yeah i think the team had to communicate with him through Wait, boards. surely you would communicate that before you go out like isn't that during the red flag period i guess they probably assumed that he would have radio and just thought or tell him then that's so odd though imagine odd if it would have been stopped. discussed right that's yeah, it's like, oh, well, Verstappen's going pretty quick to his grip. <laughs> yeah, he's gone past it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a, a weird one. But I think that that could have been, mm, yeah, quite chancy because you know that if Leclerc did overtake Verstappen, then Karen Horner, as we have now affectionately named him, uh, would have been straight to the stewards arguing that till the cows come home. Um, 
But yeah, maybe Charles thought it wasn't worth the risk. So. Oh, we didn't know. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> so yeah. Um, okay. So that's that part done. Unless anyone else had any insight on safety car rules, we'll go straight to A, B, C, D, E, F, one. Tommy, play the jingle. Now it's time for A, B, C, D, E, F, one. Okay. Um, so for the first time ever, A, B, C, D, E, F, one has fan voting and you can do that yourself by going to wtf1.com after the race and you can vote so we won't have more of this wow my god matt i can't believe you gave him a d and then the fan votes give that same person a d and then i'll go well shut up so, <laughs> a thousand people agree with this. yeah exactly so um right we're gonna dive straight into it we're gonna start with hamilton and i yeah i'm gonna give him i'm gonna give him gonna give him an a uh because I've seen people already going, oh, I can't wait for them to give him an A. Oh, <laughs> he's binned it in the wall. And, oh, blah, 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 and then the red flag, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm still going to give him an A just purely from, you know, because you're, you're judging him on his performance. Yes, he was a little bit eager trying to get past the back markers, dipped wheels onto the, onto the wet pat, uh, patch of the track, lost it. But in that scenario, as I say, I think a lot of drivers would have lost their call. He... Wouldn't have finished P2, don't get me wrong, if the red flag hadn't come out. I don't think, you know, he'd lost, he was a lap down on Verstappen. But you have to do what's given to you, right? And then he got through Imola, it's a very difficult track to overtake, and he got all the way up to P2. And I don't know if Bottas would have done the same thing there. So for me, you know, you're judging things like getting pole position as well, which, you know, was, was unbelievable considering he shouldn't have got pole position. That was more down to Max's mistake, sure, but. Hamilton still managing to get his 99th pole. It's just, it's, it's crazy. So he always seems to perform. Of course, he did have that mistake. That's why it's not an A star. And I don't think he would have got an A star anyway, because uh, he didn't win the race. But for me, I think A is fair. Uh, it's not a high A, it's an A. I'm going for a B. Disgusting. And because <laughs> I'm such a Hamilton hater and of a Stefan fanboy, as you've clearly <laughs> seen from this podcast. Um, I think it was an amazing recovery drive. But the reason I can't give him an A is because I feel like he threw away a chance of a win. And I think the he was so, so quick. It was catching him so quickly, wasn't so it? So quickly. I think he would have... It would have been hard to overtake offline. Maybe when it got dry, we would have had... It would have been really interesting to see him right up behind Verstappen um, and see how that would have gone uh, on a track where Hamilton seemed a lot faster, but it's very hard to overtake. That could have been another Alonso Schumacher style finish to the race. But yeah, I'm going B because I feel like he lost a win through the mistake. Yeah. I actually had a written down, but I'm going to change it to a B because oh. yeah, I know. So I am in agreement with what Tommy said. I mean, we saw Hamilton rate make a, a rare mistake and um, also the start Obviously, Verstappen absolutely spanked both Checo and Hamilton. That was an incredible start. And then Hamilton... And then they started the race. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'm going to go with a B because there are other people I've graded A and it's not fair to put them on the same... same I love how we're going into full explanation mode because we want to kill us about Hamilton's grading. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's difficult because, yeah, you you look at lap one as well and, you know, Turn two, which we didn't even speak about, Verstappen and Hamilton going side by side, Lewis trying to hang it round the outside, which would then be the inside for the chicane with Verstappen. And that in itself, maybe, yeah, he did throw away the victory there as well because obviously he got damage on his front left end plate, I think it was. So, 
yeah, but then he, he kind of sent it. So I kind of liked the fact Lewis mm. went for it rather than just backing out of it. And the pace he had with that front wing damage was was ridiculous. So I'm going to stick with an A and the fans went with an A. So jog on if there are people <laughs> that are saying that I'm a Hamilton fanboy. Um, so yeah, interesting stuff. Okay. Uh, Bottas, uh, it's just a solid F, isn't it? It's just, it's... No, yeah, no, it is. It's definitely an F. I, th- I thought maybe that was a little bit too harsh. Yeah, I thought the same. I've got. I, I put E thinking you can't blame him for the crash, but still woeful. But he was pretty woeful. <laughs> okay, and maybe an E. E, I think is. Fair. I think E actually. Yeah. Okay. E for me, Tommy. You're going to E, Katie. I mean, I literally called him an embarrassment earlier, so I'm going to just stick with that and go F. <laughs> okay, F. All right, and and the fans went with F. So uh, well done, Katie. And I love how that's a well done, like it's the yeah. correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done for being a sheep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, wow. You just called Rude. it. Right. Uh, Verstappen. Uh, it's, it's a solid A star, isn't it? Come on. Mm. Let's just get it out of the way. Easy. Yeah. Ruthless. Unbelievable. Ruthless drive. That, was, that was the Max Verstappen that, you know, last week when I said he should have just been a bit of a dick and let Hamilton drive on the, uh, on the dirty stuff and ruined his tires rather than max being so polite definitely wasn't polite there but obviously it was a fair hamilton's doing exactly the same thing isn't he in that yeah 100 percent. you yeah. just you like oh round the outside of me i'm just going to take my corner absolutely normally oh sausage curbs enjoy enjoy that could have so that could have ended so badly though couldn't it like it the could have that launched that they, it and... they touched didn't they so yeah they touched martin they touched <laughs> okay a star uh perez 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 had a good qualifying um it's a it's a d maybe even an e with the pace that he showed was shocking in the race like he was nowhere he was like danny rick's what am i going to give danny rick that's the question okay uh no we'll give, give him a d i'm going to give uh, perez a d just purely i'm basing it on teammate comparison and he was absolutely nowhere so i think he's a bit harsh e. yeah so, yeah so, i think so d, d for me i've gone d as well it was a really poor race very strange that Sergio Perez, you think, is the kind of driver that maybe in not as wet. quick in qualifying and then is the one that somehow does really well on the in these crazy races, but it was the absolute opposite. And um, you know, we can't we can't it always has to be mentioned, but Alex Alban, it did feel like that kind of race where mm-hmm. you thought this is an absolutely bizarre race, he should be finishing third. In a crazy race that. in a Red Bull, but he, he spun off a couple of times. I know it's 12th. an E for me. It's an E. Yeah. I'm changing it because yeah. he went off under the safety car. I know it was very treacherous conditions, but he went off under the safety car. He spun at the second chicane, lost him fourth again, and he finished P12. That's yeah. an E. No, yeah, I think you're right. I think I'd have given. I think if I'm thinking like what I'd have given Albon if it had had that race, I think we'd have been saying Diori as well. And yeah. if anything, Albon was a lot less experienced than someone like Perez. So I was also yeah, watching he... it thinking if Perez was in an Aston Martin or racing point from last year, he probably would have done better than uh, <laughs> yeah. the Red Bull. Uh, Katie, what's yours? I have given Checo an E um, as well, because although his qualifying was sublime, you know, brilliant from him, we don't rank this to do with the rest of the weekend. We rank it on what happened in the race. And uh, he just ruined a huge potential points haul. He had so many errors off the track. And then the the silly mistake that he made with the overtaking and getting that 10 second penalty. Um, And like you said, if we were ranking this as if it was Alex Albon 
um, we'd be giving exactly the same result. We can't just say, oh, it's Checo, it's the second race, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Like he ruined a really good point. So his his teammate won the race and Checo didn't even pick up any points. So mine is an E, very bad weekend from him, which hurts my soul a little bit because yeah. I do Con- like Checo. <laughs> considering the amount of chaos as well, the amount of yeah, crashes. Exactly. I can't believe yeah. that we had like 16 or 17 classified didn't we at the end of that race and the amount of crashes and spins were redonkulous i saw a i saw a tweet uh, i think it was philip horton that said it that was something like the leader spun a little bit hamilton's was second spent 50 seconds in the gravel lando didn't make a mistake charles leclerc fourth spun off on the safety car and fifth science yeah spun off lost count loads of times (laughs) crazy mad Um, okay, next one. Norris, A-star. Easy. A-star. Oh, actually, Brilliant. sorry. No, uh, fans. Sorry. So Hamilton was an A from the fans. Bottas oh. was an F. Verstappen, A-star. Perez uh, was given a D by the fans. So uh, we, gave bit, uh, we gave him an E. We gave him an E. So Lando Norris, A-star from all of us. I think that Easy. goes yeah. without saying. The fans Easy. also give uh, an A-star. Daniel Ricciardo, I am going to give... It's a it's a C and it's like a low C in my opinion. Um, he was just yeah comparing it to Lando Norris. Of course, you know you take into account he's getting used to the new team, but there, there's no excuses really for how slow he was in those conditions compared to Lando. So C. Yeah, I gone for C as well. Pace just way way off his teammate, especially in the in the wet conditions. Yeah, C as well. Slow compared to Norris, but still a good points haul finishing in sixth. But... The fans the fans gave him a B which I think is far too generous, in my opinion. A lot of Danny Rick fans. If anything, I would, I'd lean more towards a D than a B anyway with Danny Rick's mm-hmm. performance there. But anyway, but I gave him a C, so it's fine. Uh, Leclerc. Ooh. Uh, yeah, probably an A. I can't decide between an A or an A star now because Ooh. knowing about his team radio, I, I know people love the... Because I saw someone on Twitter going like, oh, science, science's drive was better because people... You know, if you're, if you're starting last in a mercedes and finishing third people seem to enjoy it i uh, think it's a better drive than if you stick it on pole because you were great and win the race by miles yeah. because you're great <laughs> um, and leclerc i i know it's boring that he started fourth and finished fourth but he, he's just getting the most out of that car i can't think that maybe even into maybe even with the team radio he gets a better start holds lando off gets p3 which would have been phenomenal it's hard to say anything he did wrong other than spinning behind the formation lap but i guess of all the times to do it maybe <laughs> that's, that's the time so oh, a no it's not as good as, no it's not as good as i can't no actually i can't rate him as highly as norris or the step and so i'm going no. yeah a for me as well perfect um can't give him an a as well Thank you. Fans gave him <laughs> We're not used to this yet, are we? No. Not to, I'm not used to saying what the fans got. So well done, fans. You got the same as us. Carlos Sainz, well, he had uh, many escapades. And um, how on earth does he finish fifth in that race? Really, that's one of life's biggest mysteries. Crazy. Uh, well, get on to Gasly soon. We haven't even mentioned him. I yeah. can't believe he, he finished in the same race, to be honest. I thought he was still in Bahrain with how, how, <laughs> how much they left him out. Um, yeah, Sainz, I think, deserves a it's a B, isn't it? Because he finishes behind Leclerc. It's very close. He was good on pace at the end of that race. 
um without that red flag you know we can't really put in red flag as a massive factor in this because everybody got affected in some way so you have to rate it on the actual performance he did make a lot of mistakes it's almost it's verging on a c in terms of his actual driving performance but his pace was good at the, the second half after after he spoke to the team radio uh, team engineer and he was like yeah slow down like chill out like come on uh so i think b's fair for for signs yeah, I've gone for B as well. Great recovery after a, well, not great recovery, but mm. decent, solid, solid drive, which great again- Great recovery when the race was reset. The, th- the <laughs> thing is, it, it's kind of, again, this is kind of why I gave Ricardo a C and not a D. You, we'll, we'll go into AlphaTauri later, but again, huge points all that they've missed out. And when it's so close in that midfield, the, the amount of points that Ferrari have got on the board and McLaren in a, in a race where- Ricardo looked nowhere and Sainz looked like he was spinning off every lap for them to finish fifth and sixth. That's like a really solid, like, you know, solid result. So I think it should be. Who finished a fifth polite and sixth? golf clap. Fourth and As, fifth, mate. No, I'm on about Sainz and Ricardo. The, oh, you, sorry. You say are quite like not great right. performances, oh, yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got oh, really good yeah. points. Yeah. Gotcha. I um, have gone for a B as well. I thought it was an excellent drive and, you know, fair play to him for being able to stick in that P5, but I cannot overlook the amount of mistakes that he made and what a lucky uh, person he is. To... Oh, wow. You were, you were about I, to get us demonetized, weren't you? There? Oh, I was. Wait. I had to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lucky person he is to uh, retain that P5. And uh, the fans gave him a B as well. So there you go. Sebastian Vettel. Hmm... <laughs> why with Vettel does it always have to be like do I because I know I can I can hear the pitchforks being sharpened outside <laughs> it's just a C woeful. I put just a C really I'm going to give him a D I, I know he's maybe it is a D I know he's had bad luck but he's still messed up he's being outperformed by Lance Stroll exactly and he just doesn't seem to be there does he I've gone a D as well he was running in 14th-ish before his retirement, so... Oh, what a solid result. Wow. It's just, it's not, it's exactly what I thought was going to happen. Everyone <laughs> went, oh, Matt, you're such a Vettel hater. He's going to come out the blocks in Bahrain. He's going to be a fresh-faced man. He's ready to take on the world. Can't all right, all right. Stroll. <laughs> it's only race two, though, like we've been saying the whole podcast, so... There's Sorry, Tommy, time. I know you're a fresh-faced man as well. Yeah. I was thinking more that that was literally me saying, oh, it's going to be reborn. And yeah, no, that's, <laughs> oh, yeah, to be fair, yeah, that was yeah. you. So, yeah, that screw you, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I think Vettel, a D at the yeah, very least, to be honest, it was very disappointing. Uh, and the fans, you went for a D as well, didn't you, Katie? The fans did, went yeah. for a D. So, there you go. Even the fans, all the uh, Seb Vettel fans out there. Uh, Lance Stroll, uh, you know, I didn't really see much of him, to be honest. It was uh, a pretty solid drive. He finished in the points, didn't he? Was it P7 in the end? P8. He got a P8? post-race penalty, so he got oh, demoted a place. Oh, yeah, he got a penalty and so did Raikkonen, didn't he? So, yeah. Uh, so, Lance Stroll, I think, yeah, I mean, compare it to Vettel, it's a, it's a solid B performance, has to be said. Yeah, I got for B as well. Almost an A, I think. It's quite an underrated drive. We don't think the Aston looks that <laughs> His- great. His engineer absolutely hates oh, him. What the hell is that? Like about? you can just you can hear the thorns in his. I've words missed. I've Lance missed Stroll. that. I didn't. I didn't notice that. Oh, it's just he just sounds so impatient with Lance. Oh like, really? You heard it in like Silverstone it, as well last year. 
Yeah, I feel like some of it is Lance not knowing very basic things that you should know when, you know, using a Formula One car. But at the same time, he's just like, oh, come on, Lance. You need to press this button or, you know, you just save your time. It just sounds so impatient. And then you've got like Mick Schumacher. (laughs) Mick Schumacher's therapist. Hey, baby. It's all going to be okay. Okay. Right. Rock a pie baby. You know. I saw so many people saying, like, how do I book in a therapy session with chuckle. Katie, what did you give Lance? I gave him a B as well. Okay. And so did the fans. So there you go. Gasly, let's talk about Gasly's face very quick face race very quickly. Oh uh, where they God. just left him on wets, which I felt was just <sighs> the weirdest earth. decision. Yeah. P five. It's looking like a crazy race. The weather forecast, at least on BBC weather, said no more rain. Obviously, you know, it's not quite as accurate as their weather predictions, but no other, apart from the two hasses, which you just expected they'd go out on bloody dries, to be honest. <laughs> um, but, you know, apart from them, that, they were the only ones that went on the wets. So apart from Ocon, and he pitted very mm. early. So Gasly, you'd, you'd think Sonoda would go out on the wets, but not Gasly in P5. It's a great opportunity for a podium and could have easily been fighting Norris at the end of the race had he just gone with the same strategy. But instead, went on the wets. Don't know if that was his decision or the team's. And it was just a sitting yeah. duck. I don't know but Not a duck that could glide through water because there was none. What are they doing with that? I'm, I'm sorry. Like, like you say, Sonoda, it makes sense because he's messed up qualifying. He's starting last. I don't... Maybe maybe I'm overthinking this, and this is a bit of a stretch. But I don't know if they're they've got that Monza victory in their head all the time, and they're thinking like, oh, let's Wets. do something different, and somehow we can like so turn it around again. But as a midfield team, yeah. Mm. But you do that when you're fifteenth, sixteenth on the grid, not fifth. Gas Gasly, how on earth he's finished seventh in that race? And they left him out so long that he's still out there now. He could have pit, he could have pitted because Ocon oh, yeah. overtook him before he pitted, so Ocon got his whole pit stop back on him. His in what, a dreadful Alpine what as well. Were they, yeah, what were they doing? And AlphaTauri should have been rapid here. And again, McLaren and Ferrari picking up those points when it looks like AlphaTauri are just as good as them is a really poor form. Awful what are we going strategy. for then, Gasly? I'm going to give. Uh, well, I mean, the fact that he still finished seventh was a miracle. And he did drive those wets like pretty damn well at the start. I want to so, give him an A because he, he didn't yeah. do anything wrong. Well, you don't know that. You don't know if he's well, on the wet. He decided, you? yeah, true. But yeah, that's, that's uh, I feel like a B. I don't feel like it's an A performance. I mean, he did drive those wets really well at the start and managed to keep them in much better than Ocon, who just literally drove off and, you know, got the wets changed. His pace was good in the first sort of 10 laps, I think. But mm. I think yeah, it's okay, a B for me. Yeah, okay, B. Yeah, yeah I've gone B as well. Okay. Perfect. And the fan rating was a B. Amazing. Uh, Sonoda, he had a bit of a rough ride, didn't he, Tommy? Because you kept tweeting about him. Oh, for God's sake. I did the, the, so in the Quali Watch Along, I said, uh, one little mistake here and you're going in the wall (laughs) and ruining your suspension. And within a minute, Sonoda goes back. And you were talking about Sonoda as well, weren't you? I was talking about Sonoda. And then during the race, I tweeted, Wow, this is a crazy situation that Sonoda is now managed to be behind Hamilton when he started twentieth and first, and then thirty seconds he was in the gravel from tweeting that, and I was so annoyed. I have passed on the curse. You yeah. spent too much time with me, Tommy. He you went for to... a. I didn't actually notice this until I watched the race back because um, it was just carnage, and I was obviously <laughs> tweeting and stuff like that. He lunged uh, on Hamilton into turn one, and that's what caused him to spin. You know, he got he got past Hamilton and then let up the tyres um, when he was coming around the corner. And it's one of those things where you're just like, you've started last, you've 
got very lucky to get back up here with all the craziness happened just calm down a little bit i know that's not the red bull junior way not yuki way (laughs) it's not as long as you're fast you can crash yeah Maybe that message from France Tos wasn't the best advice for Sonoda. But um, for, yeah, so yeah, for me, grading wise, probably a, a D because he's a yeah. rookie. Yeah. He had a horrendous qualifying as well. It's, it's, you know, if that's someone else, that's an E, but because he's a rookie, he's a rookie yeah, D. let him off. And the D. fans give him a D. Fernando Alonso. Um, oh he got a point in the end, didn't he, somehow? Yeah, he uh, did. After post race penalties of, for Raikkonen. Um, it was a bit, a I've bit. never seen a less Alonso performance, especially yeah. in the wet race. He went off. Yeah. The warm up. Like, lap, yeah. lap to the grid, he was off. And uh, then that amazing the, bit when the, the, <laughs> the, the Bottas Russell crash and then the office zoom out turn to see Alonso. That is, Brilliant. I've, that is the funniest piece of camera work I've ever seen in one race. I don't know why it tickled me so much, but it's just so funny the way it's like turns zooms in on him and then you can still see russell and Bottas <laughs> swearing at each other in the background and the camera cuts back to Bottas <laughs> and russell and zooms in on them it, so, i think no moment summarizes how insane that race was more than that so alonso are we giving him oh, did he get i'm almost get a point d. is it a d I, yeah I that's what d. i was thinking really non-alonso like d for fernando for me i've gone for a c for fernando well it doesn't matter katie because there's two d's here and the fans, technically, there is as well. To be oh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, God. Oh, I'm so terrible. Uh, Alonso <laughs> fans gave, uh, gave a C. Alon- Alonso fans gave him an A, but the WTF1 <laughs> fans gave him a C. <laughs> yeah, the, fan, oh, the WTF1 fans gave Alonso a C, so they're on your side, Katie, but it doesn't matter. We've given them a They D. gave him a D. Alonso got a D. It literally says C in this document. Does it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, sorry. Wait. I did it wrong. Wait, just in the during. I'm on the website. I'm on the website. Let me. Uh, let me. Okay. Well, whilst we do that, Ocon, uh, Esteban Ocon. Well, Sorry, he went C, on the wets was... as we mentioned. Had a dreadful strategy. Was pretty slow. I want to give him a D as well. No, I gone for C. Where did he finish? Ninth. Ninth. Okay, C. He outperformed I, the I, I, race, yeah. which was yeah. a surprise. Okay, All right. So yeah, yeah also gone for a C as well. For Didn't Ocon. really see much of him to be honest, because he was just a. a slow man for most of it but somehow managed to get past Alonso which is it's so crazy that I just don't know what, what happened to Ocon <laughs> Al, Alpine uh, Alpine I did it oh, Alpine hello. Sorry, is uh slightly concerned that they're going to be another Alfa Romeo team where we go oh just give them both C's I did I don't know yeah. what's happening <laughs> so nowhere <laughs> so so really but we gave Alonso a D and Ocon a C the fans gave Ocon a C as well did Alonso get a C from the fans Tommy he did Oh, so you're chatting rubbish. Good. Uh, <laughs> Kimi oh, Raikkonen. Kimi Raikkonen. I, I don't remember seeing him. He almost got a point and then... He, yeah, he, he was, was in P9. He finished the check flag at P9 and then got penalised for pit lane scrutiny stuff. Which I, I heard was a bit weird how he actually would have like not been penalised if he'd taken back a certain safety car position yeah. or something. And, uh, I could just read the Stewart's like a... report, but it's like... Oh, oh. <laughs> Katie at the second as she's back. I could read you the stewards report, but it's boring. And then it's terrible. <laughs> it's literally bored out your internet there, Katie. Yeah, it's <laughs> it throws nuts. up. That's amazing. But yeah, don't bother with the stewards report, Katie. The internet does not like it. Um, no, thank God for that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And he had a strong race. I can't that. think of a race more confusing, to be fair, for fans than that one with the amount of penalties that were like, you can overtake under the safety car. You can't, you can, you're meant to, you're not meant to. Very 
Bizarre. Right. Let's run through the rest of ABCDF1 because I fear that this is going to be a two-hour podcast. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so Raikkonen, okay, I want to give him a... Oh, he finished in the points, then got a stupid penal... It's a B. It's a B for me for the fact that he finished in the points, but then got penal. Yeah, B. Yeah, a. Katie. Okay, and it's B for the fans. Jovanazzi, C. <laughs> The world's most anonymous man gets yep. another C from ABC. Yep. Yeah. I've gone B. Oh, why, Katie? Uh, because he was pitted for a break issue and he was seeming to be pretty close to Kimmy. So I think he probably could have got points finished had he not had to pit for that. Um, and he did some decent overtaking. So I'm going a B. Well, that's Woo-hoo! an amazing opinion, uh, but it's not going in the. Uh, okay, the well, seat. that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was so energetic as well. The so David Atsi got a C uh, from the fans. And a C from us. Uh, George Russell. E. Trying to judge yeah, him on I've his race performance e. only. E. e. I'm want to give him a D. Okay. Well, I gone nice. for, I've gone for E because I think I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, but maybe you should have settled for points in a Williams rather than going for a slightly risky move on the yeah. I just feel like he was having a great race up until then, so I'm kind of giving him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, just purely because it was a racing instant at the end of the day. It wasn't a penal, like he wasn't penalised for it. So, yeah, I want to give him a D, but that's fine. Uh, two E's from you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the fans gave him a D. Uh, Nicholas Latifi, I mean, uh, it's got to be an E uh, mm-hmm. because I mean he had a good qualifying, but that doesn't matter because he binned it and then decided that a Hass was was a ghost <laughs> car, and. Yes. I know it's treacherous. You probably him. didn't see him, but still, check your mirrors. He's, yeah, he said no to Mazepin, didn't he? And just came back <laughs> on the track. <laughs> and just... Oh, dear. Yeah. Moving right. swiftly on <laughs> to the man himself, Nikita Mazepin. And I'm oh, sorry, no, the fans gave Latifi a D and Russell a D. I don't know if I said that. Nikita Mazepin. Um, he finished the race. So I'm going to give him an E. You're going to give him an E? Yeah. Hey, Mazepin. Yeah. I gave him a D. I think he, yeah, spun at the end, obviously. Which he was, was half a minute behind Schumacher, wasn't he? Was this yeah, pre-front yeah. wing smashing up or not? Was this just at the end of the race? This was the end of the end race, race because, okay. yeah, he spun He spun at the end, which meant that he was really... I think it's got to be an E. His, his performance throughout the entire weekend was horrendous. Yeah, but we grade this on the race, though. No, we, we grade it... We give a little bit of... No, there's a okay. little... No, come on, Katie, don't change the rules now. Just no, don't. but you're the one that changed it for me. You no, changed no, it for no. me. We're saying that it's like a little dip into qualifying if you fancy it. If there's something that happened, you know, you're, all right, I'll take 10% out of qualifying if you fancy it, you know? If it's like swaying between a high B and a low A, yeah. you know what I mean? If Latifi gets pole and then breaks <laughs> down on lap one, we're giving yeah, it he's not getting Yeah, he's not getting an F, is he? So okay. I think Mazepin, you know, you take into account he was slower than Schumacher throughout the entire weekend, probably just trying not to bin it, to be honest. So for me, it's, it's it's an E, you know, if we're going, it's an E plus, but we're not doing pluses and minuses. So for me, it's, yeah, that. Right. I've gone for a D. Okay. Katie? Well, my grade was based on the race and I gave him a C, even though he had a C he was slow. Because for <laughs> me, it was just so, <laughs> just deafened all the headphone users. Um, <laughs> because he managed to keep it out of trouble, keep it out of the wall, which is more than his teammate did. Um, he was unlucky with the, like, Latifi collecting him. He definitely spun Aqua Minerali, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I know he did at least one spin, but at least he didn't damage just to, his just car. Just to like reset the counter. Did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and he obviously I was, had I've quite not a lot been on of... that website yet. I haven't either, to be fair. <laughs> he had a lot of issues in practice and stuff, but we said we're not really including that too much. So I'll, I'll put it down to a D if okay. we're going to look at more okay. of the overview of the weekend. But... All right, I'll, I'll, I'll move mine to a D as well. Um, you know, I can't base his crashes and free practice and spins and whatever. I guess that's where I'm kind of leaning on an E. But I think D is fair because he, he finished the race and we kind of judge it on the particular driver himself. I think anyone else, we give them an E because, you know, they're half a minute off their teammate and whatever. But it's fine. D. D for Mazepin. And the fans gave him an F. <laughs> I feel like that's well, going to be a running trend for this year. Yeah. When he wins the race. <laughs> F. F. Uh, Schumacher going to give him a Mazepin's a D I think Schumacher also gets a D just purely because he did hit the wall he was faster than Mazepin but I think he still deserves a D yeah yeah same yep okay and the fans gave him a D so there you go right moving on predictions what we had for the uh, Formula One Pirelli Grand Premio Del Made in Italy Del Emilio Romagna Grand Prix uh, only because you wrote it in the document that I read it Tommy um, standard mine was Verstappen on pole by 0.3 that's half a point because he was definitely going to uh Definitely going to stick it on pole by half a uh, sorry three tenths if uh, he hadn't dipped his wheel of gravel. So that was it was on point. Yeah, no point so zero so. points for me. And Vettel out qualified by Stroll again. I think I'm going to go with that for every single prediction. <laughs> That's cheating. And, and get 23 points. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that one is definitely a point. So one point for me, Tommy. Uh, AlphaTauri quickest to the midfield did not happen, nope. and neither did Perez on the podium. No, that was nowhere near. Katie. Yikes. So I said that Checo out qualifies Bottas. Which was a bold prediction, but it worked. So, um, I'd like an apology from you, Matt, for laughing at me when I said <laughs> that prediction, please. Uh, yeah, sure. All right. Uh, sorry, could you speak up? I didn't quite hear you. Break, breaking sorry. my silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and then I said double points for Ferrari. So, your girl got a full points haul. Nice. Okay. Yeah, no, safe, safe. One, but well done. All the same, Casey. Oh, boo hoo. <laughs> uh, I can't wait for your next predictions. There'll be uh, just uh, 20 cars on the grid. Um, fans. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, Katie. Well done. Uh, Cordati, both alphas in the points like the last time we visited Imola. No. No. Nosy Bear 21, Sonoda on the podium. No. <laughs> Lars Gers, Max dominates everything, but Lewis still wins. No. Unlucky fans. Predictions for Porta Mao. Oh, God, I haven't done mine. Uh, Tommy, <laughs> <laughs> it literally just says P. <laughs> Tommy, do your predictions and I will put mine well, in. Well, you've already got one sorted with okay. you. Yeah. That's literally one. <laughs> God's sake. Uh... Hamilton dominant win and Leclerc top three in quality. Ooh. I've gone for a Checo victory and another top five finish for Carlos Sainz. Nice. Nice. Interesting. Okay. And my two are Vettel out qualified by Stroll and Perez out in Q2. Oh, interesting. So there you go. So you've gone for a Perez victory, Katie. Wow. Big old go home. Yeah. I've gone big. That's very bold. I mean, you've cashed in two points now, Katie, which was very no, safe. So you well. may as well, you know, try and save face. I feel you. Uh, fans, F. Glenvik, Bottas wins due to Hamilton DNF. That'll be interesting. Ooh. Smith, 5079-7538. Both McLaren in top five. And Quiz 35, Ferrari will score the most constructor points of the weekend. That would be chaos. That would Here be. Here Some bold predictions. And uh, apart from the both McLaren in top five, I think that's pretty safe. But, uh, there you go. That is it. We're done. My God, uh, goodness me, we've been seven hours later. <laughs> we've been filming for a long, long time, but a lot of people go, or some people go, Oh my God, why can't it be a 30 minute podcast? And other people ask for a literal half a day podcast. So you've got it. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it. It's been amazing. Tommy, Katie, thank you so much. Do we have a sponsor, Tommy, or do I have to shout anyone out? No, absolutely no. nothing. Perfect. So we just say thank you to everybody for watching and listening. 
and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks time for Portimao. Very exciting. Hopefully we'll have another hour and 45 minutes or however long this podcast has been to talk about some more chaos. Tommy, final thoughts. You thought I got, you thought, you thought yeah, you got away. I, thought I was doing was... the outro and then I was like, oh no, no. Actually, no. Katie, final thoughts. Um, I My final thought is I love ah. Imola. I think, oh, come on. although, although it's... It. <laughs> you're like, as soon as I put you on the spot, you're like, generic thought. The clouds <laughs> are in the sky. <laughs> but um, I know that the track has its flaws, lack of overtaking and stuff like that, but it's a track that really punishes the risks that people take, um, but it's also extremely rewarding if you get it right. And I feel like sometimes there are not enough tracks on the F1 calendar that are like that. So and I don't know if we're going to ever be coming back to Imola because obviously we're here because of COVID cancelling half of the calendar. So maybe this will be the last time we're at Imola for a while, which will be a shame. But that's my final thought. Tommy. Uh, I just realised that my uh, I've put this sign out, which I uh, borrowed from Imola in 2005 and are yet to give back. So... One day I may return it, but... Uh, Imola in pista. Yeah, I don't know what that means in Italian. I'm sure it, someone hope it's not I hope it's not an offensive... <laughs> yeah, just an offensive thing you had there for the last... It's the whole thing. <laughs> the, whole, the whole podcast demonetized. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Anyway, thank you so much, everybody, for watching and listening. Make sure to give us five stars if you're listening on an audio platform. Give us a thumbs up if you're on YouTube. Hashtag WTF1 podcast if you want to get involved in the discussion next time. And that is it. Thank you to Tommy. Thank you to Katie. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time for Portamao. Bye-bye! Can't wait. I was trying to move yeah. oh, yeah, a bit of hair and it was really annoying. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye.